Welcome to SGTM Talks. We hope you find this encouraging and inspiring. As a child, I was often one of those small little boys that you often see running around who's always seems to come back home in a very different condition from which I left it. I often used to play a lot of sport and I was often used to coming home uh, with clothes and my skin, a very different condition upon which I left. Um, And I always remember coming home one day after playing rugby or football, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, and I came home and I just looked a state. I just looked terrible and I just assumed it would be the normal situation that I just walk in the front door and I could go about the rest of my day and bath the day after or whenever I chose. But I was greeted by my mother who said, not a chance, go to the side of the house. And I was escorted to the side of the house and I was commanded to strip down outside of the house as clothes were thrown into the washing machine. And then I was escorted to the bathroom to take an instant shower. And I wonder if that, and that story is often what we really think church is really about. That actually we assume that we can come into church exactly how we are. Of course, people say, come as you are. But if we're honest, when we come into churches, what we really think is that we can't come in when we're filthy. That actually if we turn up to the front door and we don't look how they want us to do, we'll be escorted to the side and be told to clean up before we can enter inside the church. For the next five weeks, we're going to be exploring um, an interesting letter, uh, book towards the end of the New Testament entitled One John, where this author is speaking into the context where people had these sorts of ideas about your cleansiness, your worth, the, the ability to enter into the church community, and all of these conflating ideas. And my prayer is that as we unpack these, these words within this scripture, that actually we will take away not this sense that we have to clean up before we go in the front door, but actually we enter in the front door, and as we do, we are cleansed by Christ himself, not by one another, but by Christ himself. So today we're going to be looking at the, at the first 10 verses. Actually, it's the whole of the first chapter in John 1. And I'm going to be reading uh, from verse 1. The words should come on the screen behind me. John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hearts have touched, this we, have, we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to to you the eternal life which was the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. Jesus, we thank you for these words penned on these pages. We ask that as the words leave my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and how we hear uh, what is coming next, we pray that they will be pleasing to you. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to your people now. In your name we pray. Amen. See, in order for us to begin to understand what 1 John is saying, I think the first question we need to ask is, well, what is 1 John? See, 1 John is an interesting book that is found right towards the back of the New Testament. Uh, 1 John itself is anonymous, but through the language of 2 John and 3 John, and also the Gospel of John. It's safe to assume that it's the same author. John, in 2 John, it's referred to as the elder. So we know that two, 1 John is written by someone who is at the end of their life, but because of the Gospel of John, we then can connect it to potentially the one throughout the Gospels who is recorded as the one whom Jesus most loved, one of Jesus' closest disciples, one of Jesus' closest, closest followers. And here, 1 John itself is written at the end of this individual's life, speaking to a network of house churches, probably in the region of Ephesus. And it's to be understood, not necessarily as a letter, but more of a poetic sermon to the church. Not necessarily a letter, but a poetic sermon. And the reason for that is it doesn't necessarily convey anything new for this church, but it's kind of a reminder of something that they already know of themselves. See, the style is quite interesting, as we will come to learn. It doesn't follow this sort of linear argument that one and two and therefore three, but not four, therefore five. It doesn't follow that sort of way of writing, but it uses a very interesting rhetoric technique called amplification, whereby you would circle around the same point over and over again. And within John here, it's around three core ideas of life, truth, and love. And John will keep repeating over and over again, using quite emphatic language, hyperbolic language with sharp ideas to kind of get through to his audience what he wants to say. And it was designed to speak into a con context engulfed in division. Engulfed in division, there had been people who had left the church claiming that Jesus was not the true Messiah, and there was a lot of problems happening within the church. And we see 2 John and 3 John, uh, letters where John directly addresses individuals in the church, telling them about how to pastorally navigate these situations. But see, the beginning of 1 John, if this is the Apostle John, we see this quite significant way John starts the letter where he refers to himself as we, which we have heard, and then he uses language of you. He creates this division between we and you, and that is significant because in the New Testament time, um, this we that John was referring to are the people that actually saw Jesus, the people that walked with Jesus, that touched Jesus. They are the we, and we are the you. So they are the people that have seen Jesus. And when um, John himself is writing to you, it's not out of a sort of second rate that we've seen the best and you can get like the crumbs off the edge of the table. No, he uses this in intimate Greek word, koinonia, 
you can have fellowship with him, that as we write to you, you can have koinonia with him, this deep fellowship, this real relationship that's just as real as those who were apostles, the word that was designated for those who actually saw Jesus. We, you, can have the same fellowship as we. That is the promise of 1 John. That is the idea of his whole sermon that I'm going to speak to you so that you can be with us as we have fellowship with him who is Christ Jesus. And throughout 1 John in this poetic sermon, there's two interesting moments in this, uh, this book, as we'll come to learn, where John starts with this phrase, this is the message, this is the message, and it's almost you can hear the sermon, the preacher in him, this is the message, really getting the point across, this is what I want to say. And in verse 5, we see this is the message we have heard from him, we being the disciples, we being John himself, we have heard from him, directly from him, and we declare to you, so he's getting an eyewitness account. So we have heard from him that God is light and there is no darkness and in him there is no darkness at all. Now this imagery is seen within John, the prologue of John's gospel, where John himself would write that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. This imagery of light and darkness is all the way through John's gospel and it's here right at the beginning of 1 John. And this light is life. This life is a reflection of the light of Christ and the light which we are called to live in. So what does it mean to live in the light? Again, if this isn't a new command, if this isn't something new for the community, they would be asking, oh, this light, this walking in this light is something we already have heard. It's not a new thing. And they would have known that to live in the light means to keep the command of God. And they would have known that through John's own writing, at the end of John's gospel, in the, in the scene of the Last Supper, Jesus utters a new command to the closest people. And we have to assume that John himself is in the room when he hears us, that this close command is to love one another as I have loved you. To love one another as I have loved you. This is what it means to walk in the light. So this is John's message right at the beginning, that you should continue to walk in the light that you already know, that this loving one another as Christ has loved us. But like all good sermons, there's a twist in how John presents this. He doesn't just say, just continue walking in the light. No, he says in verse 6 and verse 8 and verse 10, 3, if we claim, if we claim, if we claim, if we claim to have fellowship and yet walk in darkness, we lie. If we claim to be without sin and we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. And if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not with or in us. See, what do these verses tell us? Well, they could tell us quite a lot of things about what's going on within the community, that this, this crisis in the community that John is writing to isn't just those who have left the church, but John is pointing directly to each individual member of the church, that this isn't just about those who have left, but actually that could be something within yourself. But it also says it quite clear that God is the one who is light, not us. God is the one who is light, not us. Because, friends, it is impossible to truly walk in this light, to follow this command, to love one another as Christ has loved us. It is almost impossible to do this to the standards upon which we're called. John knew that. The church would have known that. Maybe they may well have forgotten. But he is clear 
that you cannot hit those standards. This is the message that God is light. I am not light. You are not light. They are not light. God is light. God is the one who shines into the darkness. God is the one who reveals the darkness. It is not the individual who does this. John is directly addressing the church that he would have known in his elder age, not really pulling his punches, so to speak, but really addressing straight away that God is light. And he's clear that in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, this coin in the air, this deep relationship with one another. And Jesus himself purifies us from sin. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful. See, in other words, when we're reflecting on this idea of God is the one who is light, we're reminded that one, we ourselves are not the light and we can never truly walk in the light, but there is this faithfulness of the word of life. One John, he uses this, uh, this, sent this sentence of the word of life, an instant reminder of the word that was in the beginning, the word made flesh in the prologue of John's gospel. And this word of life and fellowship with Christ enables something very special within the darkness, true and utter life. See, John's invitation here is quite profound. It's that you will never hit the standards upon which you're called, but you are, the not, you are not the one who is supposed to be faithful. He is the one who is faithful. It is his faithfulness that enables you to keep walking in the life and in the light. See, we are made to live, and so much more than that. You are made to live as one who is forgiven, as one who is loved, as one who is clean. Almost this idea that when we approach church that we're already dirty is just false. Because in true fellowship with one another, and true fellowship with Christ, you are no longer the darkness, but the second you think that's by your own strength, all of a sudden you've turned your back on that very light and made it about yourself. This is John's message, that there's no need to become clean before fellowship, but in fellowship you naturally want to continue to be clean. That what you do in response to this light is to continue walking in the light. So John's message, this is the message, is clear that God is light, you are not light, and yet we are called to continue walking in the light. But let us never forget the importance of the faithfulness of Christ, the one who is life. See, as we recognize our own darkness, we simultaneously participate in his light and in his life. For quite clearly, in the beginning of this sermon to the church, to the churches from the elder, this elderly one who is John, who was the one who was most loved by Christ, this one who followed Jesus and the one who ran to the tomb on Easter Sunday, this, this one who had seen great things is now speaking to this church in crisis, reminding them not something new, not adding more to what Jesus had already taught, but pointing them back to Jesus and his faithfulness, not their own strength, but his faithfulness. Because at the end of his life, all he wanted to do was to remind the church that God is light. God is light. And as we'll come to learn, it's not just that God is light, but also that God is the one who is love. But we'll explore more of that as we look through two John, 1 John 2 and 1 John 3 and 1 John 4 and 1 John 5. But right at the beginning, perhaps this week as you go about your business, 
and you're in your office or you're at home, perhaps just open up 1 John once more. Just read that first chapter. Read it as one who is in the church, who's within crisis, where there's discord amongst them, that there's people that are winding you up. There's people that are just irritating you. There's some people that have left the faith. There's some people who are on fire for the faith, and you're just confused about what this message is. And then hear these words that come straight that starts with that which was from the beginning that which was from the beginning this is no new thing this has always been the thing that this is the message that god is light and in him there is no darkness at all amen as gilmore comes up to lead us in our closing song i'd love to pray for us 1 John is one of those books in the New Testament which is quite tricky to read. It's quite tricky to hear because it seems at one moment when you feel like, oh, this is very pastoral and loving, all of a sudden it comes with a critique about who you are. But actually, I believe that is exactly what the walk with Christ is like. That yes, we are held intimately by Christ, but as he holds us, it reminds us of our own frailty, of the moments when we ourselves are not Christ himself and that is okay because in that embrace we are reminded that we are loved and that we are forgiven so jesus my prayer this day is that as we leave this place we leave not in a state of shame of unworthiness of feeling like we're just not good enough but we leave from this place embraced and enveloped in your light and in your life and in your love and in your forgiveness. And we walk as one who is already forgiven, as one who is already embraced in love. Lord, enable us to have the intimacy that John himself had with you the one whom you most love, the one who could recline with you and whisper in your ears, enable to us to have that sort of fellowship with you and in turn enable us to have that sort of fellowship, that koinonia with those around us. That as we have fellowship with one another and fellowship with you, we can boldly and continually walk in confidence, enveloped in the light the light upon which there is no darkness. Empower us, God, to walk in the light. Amen. Thank you for listening to SGTM Talks. We hope you found this insightful and inspiring and can tune in again soon. In the meantime, try out our website sgtm.org Thank you.